This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Deep Dives podcast here on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. I am your host, Nick Agar Johnson, and I'm back again today with Stephen Gillespie to talk about Stephen's most recent article on Trenton Flowers and his recent trip to see the Overtime Elite League. So, Stephen, how are you doing this fine afternoon? Nick, I am doing awesome. It's uh, basketball is kicking off in full swing, like NBA basketball. So, shout out to you. I know that you know your your New Kings podcast is uh, going to be in full gear here very soon with all of that and uh i'm just i'm ready man basketball is like fully back into the swing of things with uh, college on the way so i'm just i'm ready to go man i appreciate the shout out to the king's weekly podcast subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we are recording on nba opening night so that's certainly a fun time but we are not here to talk about the nba we are actually here to talk about the nbl and your featured prospect for your article Trenton Flowers. And we will get into Trenton in a moment, but I do sort of want to start with the NBL as a program. Mm. Now, you recently spoke with Liam Santa Maria, who's an executive within the NBL program and specifically focused on the Next Stars program. But I think, you know, that's sort of a good jumping off place with this. You know, we'll get to the OTE talk later on in the podcast, but this is sort of indicative of how the draft space has changed just in the last couple of years. I mean, you know, we talked the last time you and I were on this podcast together about, you know, how trends in the NBA tend to change over a five-year window, but this is even shorter than a five-year window. I mean, you know, we're talking about, you know, obviously, as you mentioned in your interview with Liam, you know, Terrence Ferguson was sort of the first highlight of this NBL Next Stars program, but, you know, we're going from LaMelo Ball, you know, being sort of the standout of the program to multiple players overseas. And, you know, someone like Bobby Clintman going to Cairns, someone like Taron Armstrong also leaving the NCAA for Cairns, and someone like Trenton Flowers, you know, choosing 
between many universities and ultimately deciding to go with the NBL. So you happen to have a chance to speak with Trenton, but I do want to sort of start with the NBL specific experience. What were your sort of main thoughts that you gathered either from Bobby or from Trenton or from Liam sort of about how the NBL Next Stars program has developed over the last few years? Well, it's just, there's been a lot kind of going on behind the scenes, obviously with uh, the recruitment process. And for anybody who hasn't seen that interview with Liam, Maxwell and I have been talking about it a lot kind of behind the scenes lately. It's probably one of the, like our favorite things that we've done was interview Liam just because, you know, it, it's great to get to interview players. It's great to to do film breakdowns and things like that. But when you can kind of like pick the minds of one of the people that are kind of behind the scenes and like know how the sausage is made, so to speak, and in the way that the league is constructed, it's just really fun to kind of peel the onion and see all the different layers that exist within that league. Um, one of the things that stood out to me about Liam was just that, you know, he spoke about how important it was to start landing these, you know, um, milestone prospects where not everybody is looking to go into college. Right. And we've, we've heard stories about that long before the NBL started picking up the amount of steam that it has now, you know, long before the overtime elite and the G league ignite, we've started to see that not everybody's interested in the college experience. Right. I mean, I've heard of other podcasts where Zion Williamson was, being interviewed and he was just said like he'd be in class and would be getting gawked at by somebody or people would just be entitled because they go to the same university as some of these players that they can go up and you know ask for whatever they want and seeing leagues take shape the way that they have now and really cut the fat off of you know just basketball players like studying a trade and becoming you know professionals within their craft you know it's been refreshing and what Liam has said that the NBL is trying to do is they want to be partners with these players, right? Obviously, the NBL benefits from landing these highly recruited, highly sought after prospects, you know, because they're going to attract viewers, right? But in this professional, tough, physical, FIBA style of basketball, different rules, uh, different, you know, court fundamentals and things like that, different philosophies on positions, things of that nature, they allow these players to continue to grow and develop in a way that college you know as great as it is in some areas there are things that the nbl can provide that college just simply cannot do right so that was one of the things that you know when liam was talking in his interview that really stood out to me and that a lot of the players you know obviously they have certain characteristics certain you know philosophies that they look for in a player and how they you know go about and conduct their business right there are certain qualities that a player will have intangibles if you will that lend themselves to being successful within the NBL. And you see that, right? And one of the things that I kind of hit on in the article, I'm sure we'll dive onto it here in a little bit, is that it takes some getting used to, right? And that's okay because some players want that challenge because it's different to go into the NBL and play against these grown men that have international experience, in some cases, NBA experience as well, and test your medals, sharpen your skills, and grow into a productive player as opposed to maybe going to a college university where they have prospects come in year in and year out and what puts, you know, butts in seats, so to speak, or highly sought after recruits. And you come in for a year, you kind of do what you've always been good at for a season. And then you go into the NBA and hope that it translates up. So there are certain different things about the NBL that Liam had shared about and certainly we'll talk about with Trenton and what he was looking at 
and I'm sure these other next stars that what they were looking for that the NBL gives you. And it's just been fascinating to kind of dive into those aspects and talk to people behind the scenes and understand that program more because I mean, you you don't you don't learn to like or embrace things until you kind of get to know them or or you know um investigate them a little bit more. And so I think if people kind of do that on their own, take that own independent individual analysis to that league, they would start to see that maybe some of the things that Trenton is going through right now is only short term and it's going to yield, you know, high positive results. So if you have not listened to the interview that Steven and Maxwell did with Liam, you should definitely go back and listen to that. Highly recommended on my end as well. But something that really stood out to me in that interview was just the emphasis placed on finding the best fit between player and team. That the idea Mm -hmm. is we're going to find the best developmental situation. You know, if there are three teams that are looking at this guy, you know, like you talked about the process for Alexander Saar and, you know, specific of how, you know, Perth was the team that, you know, he went in for an interview and he and mm-hmm. he, and Saar and his team love Perth. And they're like, okay, this is, this is where we're going to go, right? We're going to stay here. But the idea being that the whole concept of the NBL Next Stars program is we're going to find the best situation for this player to grow and develop. And, you know, that's sort of the motto for the G League Ignite as well, in a sense. But it is, as you mentioned, extremely different from the college environment where, you know, you could be a top 10 recruit in your class. But, you know, just as an example, if you're one of the, you know, four top tier, you know, potential first round pick guards at Duke, someone's going to get squeezed out for minutes, right? Whereas with the NBL, the whole idea is, no, we're going to find a place where, you will have a role and you will be able to grow and develop and not only grow and develop, but, you know, also help out the professional team. Exactly. Yeah. And that was one of the things that Liam stressed the most was that there's kind of this notion within the NBL or not within the NBL, but maybe the perception outside of the NBL is that when a team lands the next star, right, that that the purpose of it is just to cultivate a developmental landscape for that prospect. But it's quite the opposite. Liam laid out a long list of examples of teams that have one been successful and even made championship appearance featuring a next star as one of their prominent players. Right. And like you said, a a lot of college teams, what do we see every March madness, right? It's the, the Cinderella teams or, or the San Diego States that have, you know, six year seniors on their team, right. That have been playing together for years and years and years. And chemistry has a lot to do with, you know, obviously the continuity has a lot to do with success. And we see that in the NBA as well. In the NBL, there is still that high level of, you know, congruency, that continuity, but the insertion of the athleticism that these next stars typically bring, or maybe high levels of feel in the case of like, say a Josh Giddy, these guys are going to be professional players at some point within their career, right? So obviously they bring an immense amount of talent, but it's a, a symbiotic relationship, right? Where these these players, they go on to these teams and they learn, you know, their coaching staffs are highly, you know, highly educated professionals at their crafts. Right. I think sometimes we kind of have this notion that other leagues outside the NBA can be almost novelties to a degree. But you got to remember that these guys have are experts in their field, just like anybody else. Right. So these players, they go and get that high level of coaching, that high experience level of coaching. And they get that development, but they also bring the things that they're good at. What we see with Alexander Saar is like a malleable big. He brings that, you know, that offensive versatility to where he can run, pick and roll, pick and pop. He can stretch the defense out. He can finish and convert around the rim as well with that verticality. And then he's this omnidirectional big that can just 
roam around the paint and, and clean up a lot of other people's messes, right? So it's that symbiotic relationship that these next stars have with their programs. And it's a highly involved process. You know, the, the NBL takes a lot of um, what the player is seeking into consideration too, which is great. And you touched on, like, say, these Duke guards, right? There's a lot of Duke guards and there's a lot of returning players that probably could have went in the NBA last season if they didn't want to improve their draft stock. Now they kind of have to do this song and dance of, well, is it in the best interest of the program? Is it going to help me win? Our head coach just got extended. I'm sure he's looking to prove reason why as to as the reason why he should have been extended. The NBL still cares about winning. They still care about development, but it's a little bit more of, I would say, a team dynamic to that where the players camp and the teams, they have these long dialogues and they take a long, hard look at anywhere that these players can go. And they obviously have done a great job picking the best fit with these next stars. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's interesting. I mean, there are so many college teams where the star is the coach, right? You know, you can yeah. you know, look at just, you know, Duke a few years ago with Shosevsky obviously is the biggest one, but, you know, even now with Michigan State, like Tom Izzo is the program, right? And it's a very different environment with, you know, these professional teams. And granted, I'm not the person to say this because I tend to be the person on no ceilings who's way too high on every single good year league prospect that ever lived. But, you know, it's a difference between a professional environment where the entire focus is development of your basketball skills, you know, mm-hmm. versus, I mean, the NCAA is a lot less, you know, corrupt in this regard than it used to be, but ultimately it's still an environment where, you know, there's sort of this mythos of the student athlete that has to be perpetrated. And, you know, for some guys, that's absolutely the right environment. You know, some guys it's like, I need a few years in college to figure things out, you know, on and off the court. Right. But Mm -hmm. if you're ready to make that jump to a professional league, you know, again, it's, it's asinine to say, but it's a professional league. The entire ecosystem is built around making you the best basketball player that you can be making you the best possible player for the team that you're on. And, you know, the difference between the NBL next stars program and some of the, Greedier is not really the right word, but it's kind of the right word. You know, some of the greedier European teams who are like, we're going to make this ridiculous buyout clause for this guy because we don't want to see him leave. And we're going to suppress his minutes on the big team because we don't want his draft stock to blow up. And then he becomes an NBA commodity. The whole point behind the next stars program is sort of the combination of the professional environment with the incredibly clear focus on development. And another thing to consider with these international leagues too, Nick, is that they have a lot of their future on the line when it comes to wins and losses, you know, they can get demoted in the league. So it may not be in a team's best interest to play a young player oodles of minutes, right? Whenever their paycheck is going to be on the line and even the G league, right? As great as that program has been, how many G league ignite teams can a young player join to develop? You know, there's just the one, I mean, I know that they're working on like say a world team, but that's still in the works, right? So then it comes down to, the overtime elite, which we'll be talking about later on this episode. And then the 
the NBL. So it's kind of like, which flavor do you like the most? And clearly these two great leagues have different focuses right now, I would say. And the NBL is doing a great job at taking these players that want to kind of bypass a traditional college route. They want the main thing to be basketball, which is totally fine. You know, you shouldn't have to go through something that you know that you're not going to see through. I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of silly, right? Like, if I know that I don't want to attend a university for four years and get a degree, I, I'm not going to do it, you know. But if I want to, say, you know, sharpen my skills for a year and then go out into the world and make economical benefits for myself and the community around me, there's nothing wrong with that either. Right. So it comes down to the player's preference. And obviously, some of these players, they want to do something different. And it's still challenging to a degree, too. They're not taking a quote unquote easy way out. Like they're skipping, you know, college level of play, which there's a lot of great NBA players that go through the college route, but it's still kind of, it's, it's watered down. There's a lot of teams, even within a conference, there's a lot of bad teams within conferences. And it's just kind of like a check in the box where the NBL, these guys can't take a night off because they're growing accustomed to something new. It's funny because Probably the most egregious example of not being a college student in the past few years has been Ben Simmons, who almost certainly would have benefited, you know, from the NBL program. I mean, maybe he wouldn't have stayed there, but, you know, as an Australian, I think the odds are probably better that he would have at least had more fun in the NBL than he would have, you know, playing, quote unquote, for LSU. But let's drill to people. Maybe oh. he would have played for his national team, too, if he did that. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? It's Ben Simmons. It's one of the greatest enigmas in the modern basketball world. But let's right. drill down into the specific player that you highlighted for this piece in sure. Trent Flowers. And something that I think is very important sort of for the NBL program as a whole, honestly, but for Flowers in specific is that he was brought onto the team with the idea of having, you know, this sort of lead ball handler playmaker role and I think it's a credit to both Trenton and the team that, you know, that didn't start great. (laughs) Let's, you know, put that, put that as lightly as we can. But the idea being that, okay, you know, this isn't quite working rather than continuing to ram our heads against the wall. Let's figure out what does work. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, to flowers credit and to the team's credit, it's looked a lot better after that first few game run where, you know, he was relied on as the lead ball handler and it was, and always working out the way people might've wanted. Yeah. And, I think that what you just pointed out is is such a uh, an important thing to note is that first off I will say I really enjoyed speaking to Trent Flowers. He was like an absolutely phenomenal young man, very confident in himself, very honest with himself and what the team is going through. Uh, so speaking to him it gives when you speak to somebody you get to know them a little bit better. I know that that's shocking, right? So, in Gasp. getting to know Trenton, I know I'm I'm really laying some heavy things down right now. A lot of <laughs> philosophy being being put forth by myself here, but in speaking to Trenton, he was very honest. Like one of the first things that I that we talked about after the hey how you doings is that he just got out of practice and I opened with the simple what's coach got you practicing? He's like discipline, man. Like we are we started off like This is the opening seconds of the show, and he's talking about, you know, hey, things have been going rough for me. Things have been going rough for the team. We're trying to correct it. We're going over things. We're learning this. I'm I'm learning the the ins and outs of the games. I'm getting over this hump. So the acknowledgement and the awareness that he has within self and his situation is important, right? You can't fix anything if you 
act like nothing's there, right? It's like for shout out if you have an, yeah, if you have an illness and you don't go to the doctor and, and hoping that if you don't find out you have it, then then you don't have it, right? So ignorance is bliss in that sense, right? Um, he being Trenton br- brings up this hump, right? And he's talking about it. And he knows exactly what it is. And a lot of it is just growing used to it, uh, that being a different style of play. So one of the first things that he said was different about, you know, what he was doing in high school in the AAU circuit and coming to the NBL was the style of play difference. And he laid some truth on me that, like, I am aware of this. But as he's speaking it, it, it brings it up in a whole new light in that the NBL is FIBA style of play. What's different about FIBA style of play compared to American style basketball? A big can stand in the lane however long he wants. So if you got a guy who's used to creating with the ball in his hands and getting into the lane, now he's going into the lane against someone who can park there for however long that they want, right? And they are not 16, 17-year-old anymore. They are 27, 28-year-olds in some cases, right? So people within their prime of basketball. So obviously there's like a period of, you know, comfortability growing accustomed to something different. And that was like just this big eye opener and this big revelation for me, which kind of spurned me on to who else within the NBL's, you know, next stars program in in recent history took them a long time to kind of grow accustomed, who were highly touted, highly regarded prospects getting into the NBL and figuring out that things are played a little bit different down here. Maybe it's going to take me a little bit of time to get better at this. So that was a big revelation to me in my understanding of what's going on with Trenton. So that's an important thing to mention, obviously, you know, sort of the physicality, the bigs parked in the paint. But I actually want to reference a quote from Trenton slightly before the section that you mentioned, where he's essentially talking about the decision to go to Adelaide. You know, he basically says, this is why I chose it being the MBL over college. It's a process. You can't take shortcuts. I'd rather take the long journey rather than putting something in the microwave, heat it up fast and expect it to come out great. First of all, that's a wonderful quote from the young man. But, you know, second of all, I think it's very indicative of, I don't know. I mean, you know, confidence is such a huge part of the game, right? You know, especially for, you know, anybody who's going to be an offensive presence, have the ball in their hands. You have to believe the shots are going to go down, right? But the idea being that, you know, <laughs> there's an 18 year old who's basically saying, yeah, you know, I am willing to take my lumps for, you know, for my time in the NBL because I think it's going to make me a better player in the long run. Right. And that's, you know, the kind of thinking that is even even in a prospect who, you know, would have showed up in the NBL and just been aces from day one, right? Like if Victor Wembanyama gives that quote and then shows up in the NBL and starts averaging 30 and 20 with 17 blocks a game, right? Like, okay, sure. You know, not that even Victor would be able to pull those numbers off in the NBL, but the concept being, you know, someone who shows up and is a star from day one, taking that approach is I think really indicative of future success, but someone who's struggled coming in with that approach is I think really, really a positive indicator for me that this is someone who's going to continue to work on his game, right? This is someone who is not going to take the easy route. This is not someone who, okay, you know, I've got my 10 minutes a game role being a defensive piece. That's fine. I don't really need to work on my shot. I'm good enough where I am. Yeah. And when you kind of listen to the two interviews that I had, the one with Liam and the one with Trenton, you could kind of piece things together, right? And this is how at least my brain works. Is like I'm hearing 
you know, Liam talk about that they have things that they can offer to players that you just can't get from anywhere else. I'm hearing about how it's a big move. You know, Liam talks about a lot of the off the court stuff that these players have to grow accustomed to, which, by the way, they're people and they're thousands of miles away from home. And pe the people that they love are far away from them. They're asleep when they're up and vice versa. So now they're having to get it. They're, they're getting accustomed to that. Their support group dynamic is just severely different. And you're talking about, you know, 17, 18 year old kids, right? So there's that going on too, right? But then you're talking about like the physical changes, the league style of play differences and things like that. And then you're hearing, you know, Trenton talk about, you know, this is why I came to the NBL and referencing back to future or excuse me, that past interviews that he had done. He really wanted to get this decision right because you only get to make your first decision one time, right? So yeah. making the decision to play in the NBL was something that it was a process for him and he really wanted to make the right decision. And that's an admirable, admirable thing to see in a young man, you know, that thought process of wanting to do things the correct way, at least according to him. You had to imagine that between the two of them, they had the conversation, right, Nick, that, hey, you're probably not going to come here and average 20 points, you know, right away. And then we're going to talk about, you know, previous examples of players that came in and it took them a little bit to get accustomed to that style of play, too. And they are really good players in the NBA right now and were high draft picks as well. So you had to imagine that that was a big point of conversation that, hey, you come here, you're going to benefit greatly from it. You're probably just not going to get that microwave style success that Trenton was referring to um, within that quote that you just mentioned. And, you know, even my sort of over the top fake Wemby take is one thing. But, you know, if we're talking about the guy who got drafted the highest out of all these people, right? You know, LaMelo Ball, all-star mm -hmm. for the Charlotte Hornets, right? Even he, I mean, he barely got the ball in the basket at all. Like he shot 38% from the floor and like 25% from three-point range, right? It's like, even with LaMelo, who came into the league and was, you know, rookie of the year type player from year one, you know, all-star pretty quickly, right? Like someone who, you know, came into the NBA and was successful pretty much right away. Even he struggled in the NBL, right? So, you know, even mm -hmm. for players and with the middle of ball too, he'd been playing professionally since he was 15 years old, right? It's not like mm -hmm. this was his first professional season either. And yet even he struggled, which, you know, if someone like the middle ball is going to struggle, pretty much everybody's going to struggle in that kind of environment. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a player who has high feel, unique physical traits that make his game even more dynamic and a lot of the similarities and what you would see with a mellow ball you see in Trenton flowers, right? Like you talk to Trenton, you talk about the types of players that he, you know, has sampled his games from. You're talking about people like Kevin Durant, Tracy McGrady, these big playmaker score type guys. LaMelo Ball kind of has a lot of those same types of qualities to his game too. And he's struggling and he wasn't efficient. Right. And he had defensive concerns and things like that. And you might even argue that Trenton is just as athletic as what LaMelo is and certainly has like that same uh, physical parameters and dynamics to his game as well. So it's kind of funny that these big athletic, even high level of field guys like LaMelo Ball come into the NBL. And it's not all sunshines and rainbows at first. You know, it's a little bit of you kind of have to commit to the grind. You got to commit to getting better as a as an individual sure but also as a team guy as well so we have the benefit of seeing what Lamelo went through you know in all of his international play and knowing what we know now we kind of kind of have this revisionist history where it was always going to be this way right but if you remember the 2020 draft 
which is kind of eerily similar in the types of criticism that this current draft class is getting. And it does feature a guy like a Trenton Flowers. It's kind of funny that we can go back and look at the things that LaMelo went through and think clearly he should have been drafted by the Golden State Warriors, which at the time was not a popular opinion. Uh, You know that you can't have a guy like LaMelo Ball and Steph Curry on the floor at the same time and Draymond Green. You can't have all these guys on the court at the same time. Now we're seeing a guy who probably, I I wouldn't want to rule it out, but if I had to bet money, I don't know that Trenton Flowers is going to have the exact same career trajectory as a a LaMelo Ball, right? But even the best of the best who have gone through this program had a period of getting comfortable, getting accustomed to this different style of play that the NBL does have. So with Trenton, you know, I want to circle, I want to sort of circle back to something that we talked about earlier, which is the confidence. And, you know, you mentioned that his confidence is something that stands out, you know, when you were talking to him, when you did the interview, you know, him basically talking about his versatility, you know, everything he can do out there on the basketball floor. And that I think is a fascinating sort of combination because that struggle to start the season is the kind of thing that, you know, could could derail a you know a prospect's year and certainly you know one of the examples that you bring up one of the former NBL next stars in Usman Jang I will raise my hand and admit that halfway through his season I was I was out like I had him I you know done. I think he might have been at 60 at one point and you know by the end of the year it's like okay wow he's really starting to figure it out January wow he's really starting to figure it out February he's starting to figure it out with Flowers, I mean, he, you know, started the year, as we already talked about, as the lead ball handler. Didn't exactly go that great, but, you know, their Adelaide's first win of the season was, you know, Trenton having a spectacular performance. And that's the kind of thing where, you know, again, we talk about it all the time with, you know, how confident you have to be to stick around in the NBA to continue to be willing to put up shots, you know, despite the surrounding context of literally everybody else in the league. Right. But Mm -hmm. with flowers, it's the kind of thing where that early run really could have derailed him. And instead it was, you know, a moment of sort of stepping back, reevaluating for both player and team. All right. What's going to work here. Right. And you know, that 23 point performance alone, I mean, that was, that was better than anything we saw from Usman Jang before January. Right. So he's clearly moving in the right direction, even if the early start wasn't exactly as pretty as some people might've wanted. Yeah, and I mean, and it took him most of the game before he even got to that point to where he really showed what he's made of. And you talk about the Ujman Jane thing. I'll ra- I raised both of my hands for the people who were just listening and didn't see it. You know, I I did not want to. I was like, okay, I got this all figured out. This guy is not ready. He is not going to make it. And shout out to Matt Penny, uh, one of the guys who I was talking to throughout the year, um, specifically throughout that draft class, and say, hey, you know. Go back and watch what this guy is actually doing game to game. Follow the data points. Look at the second half of the season. And I'm glad he did because he kind of put me on game a little bit. And obviously the NBA was, you know, very keen to what Matt Penny was looking at as well because of how high he was drafted. And you were talking about a lottery level guy who halfway through the season, nobody was going to touch this guy with a 10 foot pole. And unless they were just looking at, pure physical characteristics and that is it It had nothing to do with production on the floor at all right you're just looking at a guy who is almost seven feet tall and moves really well on the basketball floor that's all you were looking at at the time then by the second half of the season you were starting to see the the ball go in the hoop a little bit more you were starting to see a little bit more playmaking feel you were starting to see a little bit more defensive dynamic or dynamic ability right so 
you can't count out these guys within this pressure cooker that is the NBL because they are literally playing professional basketball against grown men in a style of play that is more difficult on a player than the NBA. And it's not a talent thing. It's just a where people are allowed to play basketball on their court, how people are able to rebound within that league. It is it is not as wide open and fun and fast paced and as catered to scoring the basketball as what these guys are going to do at the next level. In a way, it really makes them have to be more tough. I mean, even Josh Giddy recently spoke to how the NBL prepared him for the NBA and how important that Next Stars program was for his development, leading to this success that he's now enjoying. So there's a lot of credit and credence that the NBL is putting these players through because it really sharpens them and it really molds them into tough, you know, uh, you have to be a thinker on the basketball court. It's it's more, you know, deep in terms of reading and reacting because people are standing in places differently now. So I don't know. It's 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 always funny to me uh, thinking back to the Ushman Jang thing that you brought up, man, because I was so done. And I just hope that people are kind of learning these uh, learning from recent history, not to make these same mistakes with these prospects, because it takes them a while to get used to it. And then once they get used to it, you're really starting to see a more well-rounded developed player. It just takes time. Shout out to Tyler Rucker. Just takes time. So before we wrap this up, I do want to touch briefly on the other professional league, which you interviewed someone from for this article. So you made the road trip down to meet with the folks at the Overtime Elite and actually got to see a few games. And you had an interview in the piece with Adam Omadush, who's a class of 2026 perimeter player. And I just want to sort of get your thoughts, man, because, you know, I have not been fortunate enough to be one of the no ceilings people who's been at the overtime elite and, you know, seeing the environment there. But the overtime elite, it's kind of similar to the NBL in a way in which the whole sort of concept of the league is this is going to be a professional developmental league for young basketball players on their path to wherever their professional journey takes them. Right. You know, whether that be, for some of these OTE players, it's, you know, going to be probably playing in Europe or maybe even playing in the NBL. But the whole concept is, you know, rather than it's, it's funny because the NCAA is one problem. AAU is an entirely different sort of problem. But, you know, the idea here with the OTE is, again, very similar of let's have this developmental focused environment where these you know young players can learn how to play in a professional environment and be treated like professionals, right? Rather than being, you know, sort of on that vague, weird border line between quote unquote amateur athlete, but actually getting paid, you know, over the table or under the table, right? Versus, okay, this is entirely an above board professional league and above board and NCAA are essentially antonyms, right? But, you know, with the OTE, it is this professional environment for these young prospects to learn in. Yeah. And it's, it's been fun just to kind of see how different it is this year compared to last year. Mm-hmm. And the OTE is very versatile. They are very aware of the perception around them. They are very aware of changes that have been made. Uh, they're still growing. I mean, they just landed an Adidas contract for their uniform. So that's been fantastic. They just had a documentary released. And, but the people at the program remain top notch. I mean, they are just so welcoming, so inviting. 
they still get, you know, NBA front offices come by, all colleges come by within the area. I mean, I've seen I've seen Georgia Tech represented there with Damon Stoudemire. I've seen Louisville represented there. I've seen North Carolina represented there. So for as much as people want to make still about the, the, the gameplay and the way that it's being broadcasted, I totally get it. Your tune will change whenever you get inside the facility and see how much they actually do care about basketball, right? And uh, I remain uh, steadfast in my opinion on that. You step foot in that facility, you see how dedicated they are at bettering their players. And this year, man, they are probably the deepest that they have ever been. I know that it's not as top heavy without, you know, um, the Thompson twins being gone with Sar now being in the NBL with Tyler Smith now in the G League Ignite. There's no Jan Montero, but there are still future NBA players within this organization, right? And a lot of these guys now are going to be future college basketball players. So seeing OTE kind of take this pivot to where, they're still getting top recruited, you know, highly recruited top talent within their respective draft classes, but they are kind of like putting out high level college prospects now. And the the games themselves were fun, man. I mean, OT was four and zero over the weekend, and you're talking about teams featuring the Boozer Twins, Jace Richardson, and uh, Carter Bryant did not play, but he's a part of the Hoop Nations team that came in. I believe that he had back spasms. It was kind of a bummer because that was going to be one of the more highly uh, touted players coming in. But it was a fun time, man. And uh, getting to meet Adam Omidush, who is uh, represented by someone who I've gotten to know a little bit more over this season, and getting his thoughts and insights, hearing about you know the way that the program was preparing for these games, how serious they were taking him. We're talking about weeks of preparations for these games, Nick. And it was just really cool just to kind of be back at the program, uh, seeing high-level basketball uh, being played, getting to see very prominent people within basketball media and obviously teams and things like that. There there were NBA players that uh, on the air, I will say, I will not drop names, but I'll probably be uh, informing you guys kind of behind the scenes. There's some pretty high profile NBA basketball players at this game. It was pretty cool to see. But um, it was a fun time, dude. I always have a good time when I go to Overtime Elite and uh, see guys like Carter um, Carter Knox, who is Kevin Knox's younger brother, continue to be better. I mean, he was the crown jewel at the pro day that I went to a few weeks back, still balling out. Um, there's a kid, uh, Parker Robinson, who is a zero star recruit somehow on all these high profile recruiting outlets, uh, just stole the show playing against the Explorers. Uh, really looks like a guy that a lot of us at No Ceilings are going to love. And his, his stock is going to, rise immensely over the coming weeks i would assume and he just got added to the team like three weeks ago so some fun stories to keep in uh to keep in you know keep tabs on some fun prospects down the line especially like 25 26 guys that they have within ote we're talking about like future lottery picks um within this organization so you know ote is different this year than it was from last year but still a really good uh high level program and a, and a fun basketball experience to go to. I think the part about OT that is the most difficult for people to sort of get a handle on is, you know, there's sort of the assumption that what the OT was for like the first few weeks of the first season is just what they're going to be, right? But mm-hmm. this is, you know, first of all, this is the third season, 
right? You know, second of all, they've added teams every single year, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, okay, the sort of top line names of, you know, the Thompson twins, sure, they're no longer in the league, right? Like, okay, fine, Jalen Martin, Jay-Z and Gortman signing NBA deals, they're no longer in the league, okay, fine. But, you know, the sort of concept that this is just a league that's only ever going to be this one thing it seems crazy to me just given how, you know, not only is the league only, you know, two and a half years old, right. But that it's been dramatically changed every single season. And it's the kind of thing where I think it's actually a positive thing that they've changed so much year to year because it shows, okay, we're going to keep adjusting until we get this right. Right. Instead of, you know, this is how it is. And, you know, some players it's going to work for and others it isn't whatever. Right. The fact that they're, you know, making all these adjustments, making all these changes, I think is a really positive sign for the future of the league that they're looking at, okay, what developmental avenues are going to be best for our players is going to be the kind of thing where every once in a while, you know, we'll get a top recruit, but for the most part, we're preparing kids for college basketball or, you know, pro seasons once they turn 18, right? It's in such flux that it, just doesn't really track for me that people are just sort of assuming that whatever they thought the OT was by week one of season one is exactly what the league is going to be forever. It's funny, man, because when I hear like some of the milestones and how long the overtime elite has been around, it reminds me so much of us as no ceilings, right? <laughs> like we've been around. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it, it's funny because we've been around roughly the same amount of time. We have continued to add talent, right? We've kept our stars like that's the big thing. I mean, other than, you know, Nathan, uh, for good reasons, wanting to step away. That's a big star that uh, did step away from our program. But we've continued to add talent and we are we're we're changing with things. Right. And, you know, shout out to everybody um, within no ceilings. But I just it's funny how many parallels we have to the overtime elite. And I've formulated a lot of. uh you know, friendships and partnerships within the organization. So I might be a little bit biased, but I think I could be biased and still speak honestly to what's going on within the the program. And you're right. One of they're just they're adapting, dude. They are they they are not settling. They continue to add more high level coaches. They continue to go all over the world to bring in talent and teams still want the players that they have, you know, so they are still a desired commodity within basketball you know there are there are d1 level prospects Santo Cyril is going to go to Kentucky John Bowl is going to go to Ole Miss you know there are several players on this team that are going to be in the NBA and that is saying a lot man and the fact that they take care of the players that they you know unlike the NBL where you can just go and play basketball Unfortunately, it is the law in the United States that if you were of high school age that you still kind of have to go to high school. But the good news is, is that they go to school in in the facilities. You know, they bring people to the to the players here um, and they learn and they have world class, you know, weightlifting and recovery programs and nutrition and all these other things that you can't get anywhere else. Like they have guys on their team, Nick, who come from really high profile AAU circuits come here get in front of a crowd and do all the things that they do and these guys in post game will tell you i've never seen anything like this before right so they are still doing a lot of things really really well and they you know turn everything that they that they have in their program to gold and even though that some of these players like an alex or tyler smith um do step away from the program 
they still cheer for them, which is cool to see because I think that in today's society, if you're not on my team, then you're you're my opponent. Like these guys are still posting social media things of any time Alex does something cool or Tyler Smith. So they are a family. They have a, a family environment, and that's something that everybody speaks to there. And uh, I'm just a big fan, man, because it's a positive experience. It's still high level of basketball, and you come away really high on prospects. Like the fact that I've gone there multiple times this year and they are bringing in a guy like a Parker Robinson, who I'm telling you is going to be a problem when people start understanding that this guy is a really good basketball player. It's just incredible to see the stuff that they're able to do. I must admit, I was not at all expecting the no ceilings uh, OTE comparison, <laughs> but there's something there. Am I right? There's I mean, something there. I can't deny that. I was just, just stunned by it. Still trying to gather my gather my wits if I ever had them. <laughs> I, you you have plenty of wits, man. But um, it's just I don't know. I, I'm real high on us. I'm real high on overtime elite. I'm high on basketball. So it's always it's a fun place to go, man. You should really check it out. When you come down, we'll go together. We'll figure out a way to go together. Well, I don't think we could wrap up on a better note than that. But anything other than this article, you want to plug real quick before we wrap this one up? I mean. You know, we're doing draft sickos every Monday. We just wrapped up the second part of our, you know, freshman prospect preview, which was a really fun time. This upcoming week, we're going to be talking about the top returners, which is going to be a multi-part thing. I have another player interview that will be released uh, this next coming Tuesday, and uh, it's going to be a college player playing for the defending national champions. So please stay tuned for that. Um, really fun interview, really fun story behind the prospect and the player too. I'll give you a little bit of a sneak peek. This guy started his high school playing career at five foot eight. He is now six foot seven. And uh, there's a lot of fun when you start getting these like growth spurt guys and seeing how they take all the skills that they learned at their smaller uh, stature and how they apply it to their larger frame. So that's coming up. And of course, No Ceilings still has plenty of big news. Plenty of fun projects coming down the line, Nick. I know that you are all too familiar with those things right now, <laughs> but um, I know that everybody's going to be super excited to see them. And I just want to thank you for all that you do, man, because I don't think that the the audience might know a little bit, but they don't know everything. You just do so much first, man. And uh, it's always a pleasure to get to work with you. You are far too kind, but I appreciate it anyway. <laughs> I am. I'm being honest. And if my honesty is kindness, then yes, I will be kind. Well, I'll take that and run with it. <laughs> so he is Stephen Glaspie. You can find him on Twitter at Stephen G Hoops. And you can, of course, find his written work on noceilingsmba.com. Definitely be sure to check out that prospect interview that he teased. I will admit that I started editing that article without realizing that it was the article for next week. And it's it's a ton of fun. Got a you know little sneak peek of my own for that. So definitely be on the lookout for that. You can find me on Twitter at NBA Johnson, and you can find my written work on No Ceilings NBA as well. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please take the time to leave a rating and or a review in whatever podcast player you might be using. That's always much appreciated on our end. And if you have any feedback regarding the deep dives portion of the podcast, feel free to reach out to me either on Twitter or via email, nickaj.nba at gmail.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Cool.